Amen. Bless you, bless you. Let's give God also a hand clap of praise for about seven seconds. Let's just transfer that over to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Uh, we'll say this is the third service, and it looks like I've got a little more time on the clock than I had earlier, so I'm going to let my hair down. I would like to say good morning to you all this morning on behalf of myself, my uh, lovely wife that is uh, at home. She's taking care of her hobby farm and also at our, our business today working, and also my family. My dad's been with us all three services, uh, Senior Pastor Johnny Fuller from Kentucky. Uh, he is accompanied now with the rest of my family. My mom's here, uh, Colin, my nephew, my beautiful daughter, Cabri, and her family, Nick, and that six diamond in that crown of grandchildren, Maylee Nicole is right here on the front row and our beautiful little granddaughter. So we're happy to have them with us today. So we give God praise for that. And we thank you all so much uh, for the opportunity to be here. And I want to give uh, praise to uh, God for Pastor Chris and Miss Lisa. They opened up their home to me in the, in the beginning of the week. And we've had a fun time reminiscing talking about how bad we were and how bad we, I still am. And, and we talked about all the fun times we had and all the things we got to do. And Miss Lisa cooked a lot of food. The kindness, hospitality was awesome. And it's also showed up here at CPC. Been in and out of the church all weekend with all the other activities going on and all the pastors and staff and everyone I met has just been so gracious. And I tell you what, I am glad to be here because you may not know this, but I consider this my home church. I've been attending three years online with you guys, uh, interacting with the media team a lot, uh, talking, of course, texting Chris in between services and talking with him. And uh, we just love being here. My wife, myself, and my mother-in-law listen to you guys every Sunday in the car while we're driving to our, our job. We're driving to work. We have you blasting in the car and just worshiping the Lord and listening to the preaching. And we are honored to be here this morning. And if you're happy to be worshiping at CPC, can we get an amen? amen. And another hand clap of praise for CPC. So this morning, we want to go in to get into our, our uh, sermon if we can. Our current series is called Our Code. Over the course of 10 weeks, each of the 10 biblical principles will be shared with us. Each code will help us to shape and guide our lives as followers of Jesus individually, which when we come together to worship in ministry here at CPC, it will, it will help us collectively to be a disciples of Jesus. And this is important, these 10 principles, learning what they are and understanding them. And today's principle is a, a fun principle to talk about, and it's your first fill in the blank. Today's code is integrity matters. Your fill in the blank part is we strive for moral integrity. We strive for moral integrity. So fill that in, and as you're getting... That filled in, we do want to take a moment to say a prayer for God to bless us in this service. Father God, we want to thank you for the opportunity to stand here at CPC and to be able to preach the Word of God. We pray that we would be empty, God, so that your Holy Spirit would fill us with your Word, God, with your words, and we would speak those, God, to this congregation. And may we be infectious, may we be influential, God, and may we help someone today. In your uh, name we pray and ask you to touch our ears that we may hear and our hearts that we will receive your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. 
We strive for more integrity is our key today. So we had to look up the word integrity because I'd like to know more about the words that I'm studying than just my opinion of those. And I don't know if everybody does that all the time, but when I get a word, I want to make sure it's not my opinion that I understand. So we want to look and see what it says in the dictionary. And the meaning of integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. The state of being whole and undivided. I really like the second definition. The state of being whole and undivided inside. Moral integrity also made me question what was the word moral mean in the sense of this text. And it simply is concerned with the principles of right and wrong behavior. And the goodness and badness of human character. So integrity being, is being honest with strong principles of right and wrong, uprightness, knowing the good and bad human behaviors, especially your own. And that's sometimes hard for us to see, but our own good and bad behaviors, that helps us with our integrity. Being complete inside and not torn and pulled of right and wrong, left and good and bad, but being complete and not torn inside. Thomas Kempis in 1427 said it this way, whenever you do a thing, act as if all the world is watching. Whenever you do something, act as all the world is watching. And then in 52, I believe it was in his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis penned it this way. He said, integrity is simple doing the right thing. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. And that's the one that we all know. We've heard quoted many times. You've, you see it all over the internet. You see it everywhere. And speaking of the internet, Pastor, I forgot to say, welcome our online guests. So we welcome you from all around the world. We welcome all my friends and family from Cape Coral and all over the, the U.S. as well. And we are happy that you have joined us. Uh, so he said integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. So based on these definitions of the biblical principles, we as followers of Jesus need to strive for a life that is whole, honest, while choosing to do the right in a world that is full of wrong. And how do we do that? I'm really glad that you guys asked that question because that helps me move the service along. So thank you for participating this morning. We do that, and for me, it is more integrity is a personal battle. It is a battle with the man in the mirror. Moral integrity is a battle with the man in the mirror. It's, and it's not giving up on myself when I fall, when I make mistakes. It's not giving up and thinking that I'm no, uh, not able to go on. It is not giving up on myself and continuing to push forward. It's choosing to do what is right when I want to do what is wrong. How many has ever had to do right when you were so wanting to do it wrong? Anybody besides me? Amen. I'm glad that you're with me this morning. We choose to do right, and when we don't do right and we do wrong, it is making that right instead of letting it go. It's making it right in, in a world that is full of wrong. It is making yourself right when you do wrong. I hope this isn't too real for you because it's, it's just the honest truth, and we're going to even get more real when we start looking at the examples of the Bible. Let's look in today's code of integrity matters. We strive for more integrity by looking into the life of Jesus and the life of Peter from the book of Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to start out with Jesus. Matthew 14, 22 through 23 reads this way. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him 
to the other side when he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. So Jesus had just heard about John the Baptist being beheaded because of the gospel. He went away to by himself wanting to get away from everywhere. And instead of getting away, he was followed by the crowd. And a crowd of people, thousands of people came to him. And so he had to feed the 5,000, if you will, and also healed many of them. So he was an entire day having a conflict because of the death of, uh, of John the Baptist, but also having to do the ministry. And so he had a really rough, long day that day of performing those miracles and doing those things that he did that he said, disciples, I'm going to put you in the boat. I want you to go across the sea. And then I'm going to turn this crowd away. And when he did that, when he sent them away, he himself went up the mountainside to pray. Now, I said this earlier. I don't know how Jesus did that other than he was Jesus. Because after being in a long, hard day, I don't want to climb no mountain. I, 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 yeah, I'm just going to stay right in the valley. I, you know, that's a long way up there. But Jesus made a decision to climb that mountain and go up on the pray, go up on the mountain to pray to spend time with his father. He needed to recharge from the draining day. He needed to pray. He needed strength, and he found it when he was there alone. Jesus, when no one was looking, was praying. When no one was watching, he was praying. And just like Jesus, that's important for our walk as well. We need to be recharged. We need to pull aside and pray daily. I think some of the biggest problems with my uh, decision-making and my moral integrity comes when I don't pray like I should. And one of the biggest sins that we face in this day and time is not the sin that just popped in your head that you think is your biggest sin. It's really the sin of omission. That means knowing to do good and not doing it. So we know we should pray before we head out into our busy day. And, and a lot of times we just say that little prayer, Lord, bless me. And you go right on your way. Now, that doesn't mean that God won't bless you because you ask. But you also might think that, God, I need more strength for today than what I did yesterday. I need strength for what I'm about to face at work. There's going to be something coming up or there's a decision that has to be made. I need more strength, so I need to turn aside and pray. And that is what helps us build our integrity because it helps us to stop making our bad decisions. Didn't say it in earlier service, but you know we're letting our hair down today, so I'm going to say it now. If insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and not changing, that's insane, isn't it? If you get up every day and you don't pray, and you go have a bad day, and you make bad decisions, you come home and regret it, and you're miserable all evening, and then you get up the next day and you do the same thing again, who's insane in that story? I've been there. I've been insane many times. I've been acting the way I, I, I should be praying. I should be changing this cycle, but the cycle just keeps going and going, and I need to intervene in that cycle, and we do that by turning aside to pray that helps us with our integrity with that being said i've heard many people say that you know including myself at times but that's jesus that's the son of god he's perfect he's god in the flesh jesus knows he didn't sin he could pull away and pray because he knew what to do all the time and sometimes it's hard to emulate christ because of our omissions right and we can't relate to jesus the way we should sometimes so I want to talk about the other example that we can maybe relate to a little more. We're going to talk about Peter. So along in this story comes 
Peter. He is our perfect example, Simon Peter. And this story unfolds. Now we're getting back into the text for a moment. At daybreak, Jesus comes off the mountain and he comes down and he's walking on the water going to the ship that's already out in the sea. And it just happens to be it's in a little hurricane. So there is some hurricane winds. There is some high waves uh, or huge waves, some high waters. So there's a little hurricane going on. So the boat's being tossed around. These guys are trying to do the best they can to keep themselves afloat and get across to the other side like Jesus told them to. And all of a sudden, here comes this high wind and all of these things. And then they look up and they see what they think is a ghost. Now, I don't know about you, but in a hurricane and high winds, the boat's about to feel like it's about to sink and I see a ghost. I'm going to be afraid. And that's what happened with the disciples. They become afraid. They were fearful. They, they, they begin to, to panic and they, they believe they saw this ghost. And Jesus cried out and said, Calm down. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Cue Peter. So Peter's our next example. And we're going to bring him into the story now. See, Peter and his brother Andrew were fishermen, and they were mending their nets one day when Jesus walked by. And when Jesus walked by, he said, come and be fishers of men. They left their nets and walked off. Peter was told by Jesus that he said, I'm the rock, Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. And you're, Peter means a piece of the rock, so you're a part of this. You're going to be the leader of the first church uh, as I establish it, and you're going to preach some great word. And he became one of the uh, strongest preachers in the book of Acts in chapter 2. He became an awesome preacher. And remember, there was 3,000 people saved the day the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2. He was doing a great job. He was preaching the gospel. And that sounds so not like... We can relate to that. But wait, there's more. Peter had a little issue. He liked to carry a sword. He's been known to carry a pocket knife. And one day when a man come to arrest Jesus, Peter pulled the sword out and he swung at that man's head and cut his ear off. Jesus had to rebuke Peter a little bit for his aggression. Picked his ear up and healed the man's ear and put it back on. And then... Peter with his aggression, and I don't know how many of you can relate to that, but I've been known for that. I'm the only person here. I I'm, I'm, should have went to the other service. Can we rewind? Uh, I'm the only person here that done that. But no, we all have done that, haven't we? We've all had that moment of frustration, aggression, or what have you. Well, Peter also struggled with love. Did you know that Peter struggled with love? Him and Jesus were having this conversation, and Jesus said, <clears throat> in layman terms, he said, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Peter said, Lord, I love you like a brother. That's not what Jesus asked. He asked, do you love me unconditionally? And he asked him the second time. And Peter the second time said, Lord, I love you like a brother. Jesus, seeing that Peter was not capable of stepping up into the love of God unconditionally, he was still holding on to how he loved people for his entire life. He doesn't know how to yet step into this unconditional love that God is offering. So Jesus stepped from that unconditional love down to Peter, and he said, Peter, do you love me like a brother? And on the third time, Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. You've asked me three times. He got a little bit aggressive again. He got a little bit uh, snappy with Jesus. Could you imagine being snappy with Jesus? I mean, you, you'll snap at your spouse. You'll snap at your children. You'll snap at co-workers. But could you imagine snapping at Jesus? Peter did. He'd snapped at the Lord a little bit. He got a little snappy. Well, he went on towards the end of Jesus' life, and he denied Jesus three times. 
Weren't you with him? No. I saw you with this man. No. Third time, he even said words he probably shouldn't have said. He, they said, he said some bad words. And so, who now can relate to Peter? You want to do, be used by God. You want God to bless your life. You want to do that. But you still can be a little snappy. You still can be a little aggressive. You can still struggle with loving people. Some people are easy to love. I tell you, other people, they hard. They real hard. But then again, God's called us to do those things. However, in this story, remember, Peter was called by God to lead the church. He was called by God to preach the gospel. And God was going to use Peter in all of his brokenness. And God wants to use you and I in our brokenness. He's given us a reason to live for him. He saved our souls, and he wants to use us just like we are. I've had so many people in my past say, when I get better, when I get right, when I stop doing this, I'll, I'll go ahead and accept that ministry or I'll go ahead and help at church. And that's not how it works. He wants to use us in our brokenness to help us help others in brokenness. We're broken people and we're able to help one another through the brokenness that God has healed in our own life. Your testimony matters. And that is what gives your, your life of integrity so much value is that God is able to work in you. Now, Peter in this story wasn't perfect as well. So Peter in this story had several points in his walking with Jesus he had to revisit to keep his integrity intact. Peter had several points he had to keep going back to to keep his integrity intact. Every time he failed, he had to kind of revisit these points. And so we're going to go over them today and hopefully it will help us to keep ourselves uh, and our integrity intact on the, as we walk on these waters of integrity. So remember Jesus said, don't be afraid, take courage, it is I. So Peter, being the outspoken man he was, said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, have me come to you on the water. Moment, I've got to pause here for a second. I've got to say this. I'm in a boat in a hurricane, and I'm worried about sinking, and then I think I see a ghost, and the ghost says, hey, it's me. Don't worry about it. And you're gonna, are you going to jump up and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you. Just call me out there. That's pretty awesome. And Peter was told by the Lord to come. Come and walk to him on the water. And so Peter's first point I want to bring out, and this is in your uh, message notes, Peter's connection point. And yes, we use that. Connection point. Peter already had a connection point with the Lord. So I want you to know that. He was already saved. He was already called to minister the gospel. He was already walking with Jesus. He was already called a disciple. He had already called Jesus the Messiah. But in this particular day, in this particular experience, he needed to connect with Jesus in another way. He needed to connect in the storm. How many of us are saved but struggle when we get in storms? Struggle when we get in battles? Struggle when we get to work and they do the same thing that they do every time and we battle that and we struggle with that? Peter connected with Jesus in his storm. And he said, Lord, if it's you, let me come. And the Lord said in 14 of 28 of Matthew, if Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Whoa. Jesus said to Peter, come. So Peter's connection point. The next point we want to make is Jesus, or Peter had a walking point. Your next fill in the blank that you have is a walking point. Peter's walking point was found in Matthew 14, 29 as we break this scripture down. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. 
So now Peter is walking on water. Now, only two people in my life I've ever read about that actually walked on water. I did hear my dad the other day say that he walked on water as well when he was preaching, but he, he confessed it was frozen and it was wintertime and he walked on a pond. So that was, I mean, I understood that. But Jesus and Peter are the only ones that has ever really walked on water. So I want to take a moment to celebrate Peter's faith. I want to take a moment to celebrate his courage that it took him to jump ship and get out of the boat and to walk on the water with Jesus. He was connected to Jesus in a mighty way. I want to celebrate that because we all too often go from him connecting with Jesus to the other part of this story that we're going to get to in a moment. So we want to celebrate his life of how he stepped out in faith and got out of the boat. And now I also want to celebrate your life for those of you that are saved and connected to the Lord and you stepped out of the seat and you become a part of ministry. You've become a part of the church. You're doing things for God by serving people of this church. And so that is a blessing in your life. And also, for those of you that may feel the call this fall to become small group leaders or joining a small group, it's important. So you guys didn't know I really was watching. I mean, I wasn't lying. I actually do attend service here via the Internet. And Pastor Chris and and the church has been calling out for people to step out of their comfort zone, to to get in small groups and connect because that's how we grow. That's how we, we get through this life that we're living is being connected to other people. So Peter had this opportunity, just like you, to get out of the boat. And, and those of you that are walking on the water, God bless you. God bless you for being saved. God bless you for being a light. God bless you for, for doing your best. And with that being said, have we failed in that? How many has failed? A lot. I'm captain of the failure team. Uh, we've all failed and fallen short, right? We've all Uh, made mistakes in our integrity and our walk with God. Well, that's what happened to Peter. He's walking on the water, and your next fill in the blank is Peter's sinking point. Peter's sinking point. He was connected to walk on water, and he walked. But then he had a sinking point. Now, what caused Peter to sink? Matthew chapter 14 and 30, the first part of that scripture says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. So only because Peter was with Jesus, connected with Jesus on the water, did he walk on the water. Only because he stepped out of the boat of of safety did he walk. And only when he left his comfort zone did he walk. We just spoke about that, right, for you and I to leave our comfort zone to get out of the boat of safety. But only when he took his eyes off Jesus did he sink. In the middle of my daily life, the reason that I sink, the reason that I make poor decisions is I get my eyes off of Jesus because the circumstances around me are there and I don't, you know, many of us think if we, uh, that we can't ignore it, ignore it because uh, it's there, but really we're not trying to just pretend it's not there. That's not what faith is. We see the problem, right? But we keep our eyes on Jesus. Peter didn't. He took his eyes off Jesus and saw the problem. And so he started staring at the circumstances around him. He started noticing the hurricane winds. He started noticing the high waves. I I preached it years ago this way, and maybe Jesus was going up and down in the troughs of the waves, and Peter was down, and Jesus was down, and he lost contact maybe. He took his eyes off the Lord, whether it would be the waves, the wind, or the high waters, whatever. He took his eyes off, and he noticed the things around him. And when you and I do that in our life, that's when we start seeing 
sinking. That's when we begin to sink. When we take our eyes off of Christ and we focus on the problems at work. We focus on the issues with family. We focus on the issues with life in general. And then we start sinking. So Peter started sinking. In this story, he was sinking because of the distractions that surrounded him. He was sinking, and as the water was getting over his toes and up to his ankles, he was beginning to sink, and it was moving up. That is exactly the sinking point in his life when all the distractions caught on, and that's exactly what happened to me. I took my eyes off Jesus. When my bad decisions come into play, my integrity is in question because of it. And why do we, like Peter, notice the winds, the waves, and the water so much in our struggles? Why do we turn our heads from Jesus to these distractions? are easy to see I mean that's just I'm sorry for being so simple but I am from Kentucky I'm not pretending to be something I'm not Pastor Chris and I you know he talks about it all the time and we're just good old simple country folk but I tell you what the reason that I lose sight of Jesus is not a difficult problem it's an easy problem we get distracted because it's easy to see him but I want to say this Jesus never left Peter. Jesus never walked away from the water. He was walking on the water when, Jesus, when Peter was sinking. He was still walking on the water that G Peter was walking to. He was still there. He never left him. He never went away from him. He didn't walk away. And many of us believe because we have sinking points in our lives that Jesus is so disappointed in us, that God is so disappointed in us that he turned from us. And that is not true. The reason that God won't turn his face from me and from you is because Jesus took all of our sins on the cross. And when he cried, uh, it, it's finished, that God did turn from all that sin from Jesus as he hung on the cross. But he's not turning away from us because Jesus already took the price for us. So he knows what I'm capable of. He knows that I can sink. And he knows that I can sink all the way up to my neck sometimes before I call out because I'm so stubborn and I'm so hard-headed and he knows that I will call out eventually and he stays right on the water that's what he did with Peter he stayed on the water he did not walk away he did not leave Peter and because of that Peter was still able to do his next point and this is the last point Peter did the rest of this is going to be about somebody else Peter called out he had a calling point that's your next fill in the blank Peter's calling point he went from connecting his connection point. He went from walking on the water and then being distracted to sinking. And now, as he's sinking, he calls out. And it says in 1430 of Matthew, the latter part of that, it says he was afraid and began to sink and called, cried out, Lord, save me. Now, I want to point out something here that's, that, that's not real famous, but it's the truth. He cried out of fear. He was afraid. Are you here? He didn't say by faith. People say, if you don't have faith, listen, when you call on the name of the Lord, it don't matter how you call. When you call on the Lord, he's going to hear your cry. The Lord doesn't have a deaf ear that he can't hear us. He loves us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to put, hold our hand. He wants to touch us. And if you cry out, he's going to hear you. He's going to hear you with his love and compassion, and he is going to do what you ask him to do. And Peter said, Lord, save me. And when the, all of the winds and waves were there and he was sinking fast, his, fear was, uh, his faith was overcome by fear. His trust was overcome by the turmoils of what was going on. He made a decision. Peter, in his sinking, 
made a decision to stop looking at the distractions and start looking back to Jesus. And that's what you and I need to do when we get to that point of looking back to Jesus from our distractions. Then we can call out, Lord, save me. And when we do that, the Lord will do just what we said and what we asked. He will save us. It doesn't matter where you're at in your pain or your struggles or your sickness or your distress or your depression or your anguish. If you will call out and say, Lord, save me, the Lord will reach down and save you. And that is my favorite part of this sermon. The next fill in the blank. It says Jesus, and it's Jesus' reaching point. Jesus' reaching point. I want you to write that in there. Now, this reaching point is not that he reached a point where he was disgusted. He reached a point where he was frustrated. It is a point where he reached out and he took Peter by the hand and he held his hand as he was in the water. He held his hand and when he reached out and he held his hand, he lifted him up and it says immediately set him in the boat and the hurricane died down. He reached out and lifted him up and set him in the boat immediately. He caught his hand and he did say these words, you have little faith. He said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And for years as a minister, I heard that in angry words. I did. I'm confessing here. I heard it's like scolding. But as I studied this and studied this, I realized he wasn't scolding Peter. Peter was walking on the water. And he just lifted him up and said, why did you have so little faith? You had enough faith to walk on the water. But when you saw the winds get strong and the waves get big, you didn't think you could keep walking. He said, why did you have such little faith? I believe he told him that for his next sinking point in life. Because see, it doesn't matter how many times you sink. What matters is you have one more calling out point. If you have one more crying point to God, Lord, save me, then you do sinking point. God's going to respond. And I believe he was trying to encourage Peter here to say, listen, don't doubt. Why did you doubt? You were on the water with me. You were walking. You're walking with me. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not forsaking you. I stayed on the water. I don't understand. He said, why did you doubt? It was easy for Peter to doubt because of the circumstances, but the Lord is trying to get him to focus. No, focus on me and don't doubt those circumstances. I'm in charge here. Jesus is going to take care of us. And that's exactly what he wants to do in our lives. Immediately it says in 1431, Jesus reached out his hand and called him and said, you have little faith. And he said, why did you doubt? Peter didn't reach out. He cried out. Remember that. Peter didn't reach out for the Lord. He cried out. And the Lord reached out for him because Jesus cared about Peter's life. He cared about his life of integrity in front of the other disciples. He cared about his life of integrity of the people that will be reading the story forever and ever and talking about Peter so often in a negative way. So he restored him back to his integrity because to Jesus, integrity matters. He wants us to strive for that more integrity. And I don't believe Jesus' words in this verse were only words of rebuke for Peter. I think they were words of encouragement for all of us. Words of encouragement See, Jesus made a promise to Peter, and this is your last two fill in the blanks. Jesus made a promise to Peter, but he made that promise to us as well. He not only made a promise to Peter, but he made that promise to us as well. And this is what he promised. This is my favorite part. He told Peter, he said, I'll never leave you. He never left the water, right? 
And he tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. The Lord said, I will not leave you. I will not. And I hope this is going to be words of encouragement for you. No matter how far you go, no matter where you end up at in your stress, in your distress, in your troubles, the Lord says, I will be right there with you. If you're driving down the road, you can talk to God. If you're, I heard a, a Larry Fleet song. He said, I met the Lord in an old bar stool. I met him in my church. I met him in the field hunting. You can find the Lord wherever you are because wherever you are is where he wants to be. He wants to be with you. So he's going to be close to you. And he said he will never leave you nor forsake you. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, he said, there is a friend that sticks closer than their brother. The Lord loves you so much. He loves you more than your family can love you. He loves you more than your brother, your sister, your mom, or your dad. He He wants to be with you. And he's going to stick closer to you than ever. And he also said in Romans chapter 10, he said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And in Timothy, he says that he would have all men and women to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Many people want to understand truth intellectually before they get saved. No, Jesus says uh, he wants to save us in our heart. And then the knowledge of the truth can come later. You can learn to be a disciple. You can be taught and trained in biblical theology and in biblical principles like the church is doing this summer with these 10 principles. But Jesus said in his word that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He said he would have us all be saved. He would, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And remember this, Jesus never left Peter and he never left you. And no matter your failures, no matter your struggles, he never left you. And today, I wonder what point you are in your walk with Jesus. Have you begun it yet? Have you asked the Lord to save your soul? Are you lost without Jesus? The Lord wants to save you. And he will do that for you today. Maybe you're a Christian and you slipped in your integrity and you feel backslidden or you feel away from the Lord. You feel guilty and remorseful. Today, God will restore you just like he pulled Peter out of the water. He will lift you up. He will take that place you're in and raise you right up. Maybe you're walking with Jesus and you're in love with the Lord and everything's going well but you're still sitting in the boat and he's asking you to step out on the water of ministry and use that integrity that you have to lead others to show them what integrity looks like and be a part of the church whatever that is we're going to ask you to stand to your feet today as we get ready to pray